Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Today is the seventh Sunday since Easter Sunday, or the 50th day since the resurrection of Jesus, and is marked in the Christian church as the season of Pentecost. The account of Pentecost is in Acts chapter 2 and brings together the interpretation provided by the Apostle Peter, who indicated that Pentecost was a fulfillment of what was prophesied by Joel the prophet in the second chapter of his book um, in the Old Testament. In that account, before declaring his now famous words, the prophet Joel sets out the stage that preceded the day when God poured out his spirit on all flesh. He described it as a swarm of locusts, but depicts them as an army marching into war. In verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, Before the fire of the invasion, the land was like the Garden of Eden and afterwards like a desert waste. He frames Pentecost as a before and after event in which the devastation, in which the devastation lays waste to what, there, what was there before, but opens us to, the, to contemplate what may come after. It seems to me that the stage is set to mark Pentecost today. I can think of at least three ways that life has become a desert wasteland. The first that comes to my mind is the recent invasion of Gaza by Israel. Not for the first time, but it was remarkable to see entire five-story buildings reduced to rubble on the back of the Israeli airstrikes. Hundreds of people are killed and still Israel flew sorties and dropped bombs on urban centers and on residential spaces. Hamas did the same with its powder puff rockets but this was always an asymmetric war. And just like that, there was a ceasefire and the bombardment have stopped at least for the moment, but it has left a dramatic tale of utter devastation. There's another Holocaust that we have been faced with by the Corona virus pandemic. The death numbers have risen and seem only to abate temporarily. 
medical experts are still not saying that the worst is past, but are saying that there will be further surges for the next 12 months. In another way, there is a rise in the level of comfort and ease. The fear has subsided with the vaccines and the and the easing in some places of the mask mandate. More than 3 million people have contracted the disease. 600,000 have died in the USA alone. There is a light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccination, and it is getting brighter every day, but it is not the sign of a coming train. Another Holocaust was what the world witnessed on January 6, a threat to the most celebrated democracy in the world. Some of us had been afraid that the then US president was a type of was going to be the type of persona of the Antichrist, and that he was going to behave like the man of lawlessness that has been revealed. And that in our lifetime, the end of history would come. But for the moment, he has passed from daily view and gone into the shadows. But from time to time, the human family has been through a holocaust. One such happened for the early Christians. Their master and Lord was taken away, crucified and buried. The world seemed to stop for them. Are you a stranger in Israel, they asked, and are unaware of these things, they inquired. When will these things be? And when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? They asked Jesus. And then came the mighty rushing wind of Pentecost. Let me say some things about what Pentecost was and is therefore for the church. It has an abiding importance. It was a harvest festival for the Jews called the Feast of Weeks, celebrated 50 days after the Passover, and is now carried on by the church as a time of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, Pentecost is a festival after the Holocaust. It is a new beginning after a time of devastation and dislocation, when people are exhausted and spent this was the situation after the locust invasion about which Joel spoke, and after the battle and after the crucifixion. It is the situation after COVID, death and despair all around we see. This is when Pentecost is. It was not an expensively choreographed event. It was full of people, ordinary people, full of emotions and resonance letting it all hang out. Before Pentecost, they saw the overwhelming force of the powers and absolutely how powerless they were. When Pentecost came, the presence of the Holy Spirit changed and controlled the narrative. Pentecost is a day of hope. Pentecost is a day when the powers meet their match. It is a day when little people have their say. There are also two types of power on display. 
There is one power that is death dealing and destructive. There is another that is life giving and empowering. Death dealing power is empty and has only an ugly and empty boast. It is ugly. It is cruel. There is nothing worth celebrating or admiring about it. Ugliness and cruelty are what we see everywhere and in every way. It obliterates all before it until it meets its match. It creates wastelands and wildernesses. It offers no bright tomorrow, only a sad midnight. This is the difference between what men do and what God does. What, men, what man does is to lie and fabricate and to destroy the very life itself. But what God does germinates life, initiates the future with its broad, wide open spaces. God energizes and empowers and plots a course so that we have some place to go. Pentecost introduces us to God's power at work in our lives that turns the waste places into Edens, gardens with springs of living water. Secondly, Pentecost is real joy, not just hype. The account in Acts tells us how early in the morning the cosmopolitan group were speaking the things of God in their own dialect. At the turn of the 20th century, in the early 1900s, there was what was called the Azusa Street Revival. It was the birth of modern Pentecostalism. It started in California among black and white people alike. And when the white people saw that it was forcing an end to segregation, they went and started their own Pentecostal church and black people went their own way. Says Joel, afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see vision. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heaven and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Their vernacular. In the time of, in my time in Pennsylvania at Temple University, conducting Bible studies with international PhD students from the Middle East and Africa, I noticed that every time we went to prayer, they would pray in their own dialect rather than in English. It is something guttural. It has to do with something deep-seated, with convictions deeply held. What the Holy Spirit gives us has to do with something deep down. It is not superficial or contrived or external like money in your pocket. It has to do with our bowels. It is not something dependent on external. Sometimes it is counterintuitive. It counts, count it all joy 
says James, when you experience diverse tribulations. The experience that the Holy Spirit produces gives a courage and a confidence that belies our resources, our social connection, and our circumstances. The odds may be overwhelmingly against you, but still you stand up and defy it and you withstand it. It is an energy and a strength and a passion that belie both your years of age, your gender, both young men and women and old men dream dreams and prophesy. It is supernatural and it is superhuman. It comes from the spirit of God. There is a mix with the lived experience and the insight of faith and one's own spirituality. They draw upon ancest ancestral strength that makes them unafraid. They rejoice in the face of persecution and clutch what is beyond their reach and grasp. This is what the people have. They have resilience. They have indomitable courage. It is underestimated to your peril. The forces have always been afraid of people of faith and of spirit. They possess savvy, wisdom, insight, and immense courage. Their energy is inexhaustible. That is what they saw in Peter and John, unlearned and ignorant, ignorant but they noted that they had been with Jesus. And Luther King had a dream and had been to the mountaintop. Mandela stayed in a cell on Robin Island rather than compromise with both P.W. Botha or the clerk. They defied death and danger and seized the everlasting prize. Thirdly, Pentecost is a space to bring the human family together. All we have known is division, division by race. When I was younger, I thought we had seen the worst of racism with Jim Crow and lynching and the Sharpsville massacre and sweat uprising in South Africa with their past laws and Bantu stands. And no, I have lived to see policemen lynching black men on the streets of the USA. I have seen class divisions by color and by income in Jamaica, where some people are allowed to go to the beach on weekends during COVID and others are not. Some people's lives and rights are expendable and others are not. The Holy Spirit unites the human family, breaking down barriers, opening pathways. The Holy Spirit comes to mainstream and render significant people from forgotten places. They are included and welcomed. They are privileged. They are given dignity and we speak their language, not just that they speak ours. In Christ, there is no East or West, no slave or free, no male or female. We are all baptized by one spirit into one body. The Holy Spirit is not the launch of a new empire, but the breakdown of the old barriers 
and old ways of doing things. The church ought to be a space to bring people together, young and old people. There should be no ageism, men and women, no misogyny. God is not anti-male. Men are not children of a lesser God. It is a place where the rich and the poor ought to come together. It is not a space for the well-dressed, well-healed and well-fed people alone. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. Money is not the basis. God is not the new ATM so that only those who have drawn their cash are welcome. I have heard God being recruited into the prosperity mantra. Mantra, That is not God, that is an idol. It is a space where black and brown peoples have standing and it challenges notions of superiority of the white people from the North Atlantic who believe that they are the measure of all things and have a manifest destiny to rule. The Holy Spirit gives a new signification to the non-persons. I was invited to contribute to a work on the theology of the Global South, and I repeated the now long-standing feature that our theology is, changes the interlocutor. It is not for the non-believers with whom we argue, with arguments that we speak that will convince them. We are dealing with the non-person to offer them a sense of their humanity in the solidarity with their struggle. It is not having that, it is, it is being not having that is the new norm for us at Pentecost. We want people to know that they are full human beings and their humanity is affirmed and recognized. And that is the mission of the church after Pentecost so that we can reach them, so that we can affirm them, so that we can empower them to be and to do what they can in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit at Pentecost marginal and dominated people speak in their mother tongue. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we hear them and they hear us. Amen.